This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 28th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. So, another telling story comes your way today, one that in many ways mirrors the one told by Mark Van Wy just last week of a very smart but inexperienced franchisor stepping into the leadership of a brand with tremendous potential for growth and opportunity, but with some of the essentials for franchise success not quite baked all the way in, at least not just yet. In the case of Zoom Room, Mark Van Wy's role of CEO came much closer to the starting line, thereby making what he needed to do perhaps a little bit easier than today's guest. And just ahead of telling you more about Clarissa Wyndham Bradstock, CEO of NA Lab Test Now, who is here today with us, I must thank Mark Van Wy one more time for his candor and transparency last week. I'll continue watching that brand's development with tremendous interest and believe that as good as they are actually doing already, for them, the best is yet to come. Today's story is similar in that, like Mark, Clarissa Wyndham Bradstock had a wealth of prior experience, and like him too, some of that was in technology. Their greatest common denominators, though, were that neither possessed any prior franchise experience. In Clarissa's case, that challenge was potentially even more daunting, as any lab test didn't just have a dozen or so franchisees, no. They were already well north of a hundred. Similarly, it was a concept that screamed franchising as a scalable platform for growth, but nonetheless, their unit level economics said otherwise. The brand was underperforming and was in need of some fine-tuning. So what did Clarissa do? She put the brakes on franchise development for two years while her team set out to discover what was wrong, what was right, and how to make any and all adjustments necessary to the model to assure that their franchise offerings were worthy. This is yet another inspiring story of a smart executive jumping aboard a train in motion and needing to learn a great deal in real time. No small task, but neither was it one too large for Clarissa. She's here today to share that story, and she'll do that in two minutes or less, when I'll be right back with Clarissa Wyndham Bradstock, CEO of Any Lab Test Now. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive set so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. 
Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zor Forum. Learn more at zorforum.org. That's www.zorforum.org. During her illustrious career, Clarissa Wyndham Bradstock has served as a Vice President of Client Services, COO, Vice President of Operations, and CEO, both of private and publicly held corporations. She has extensive experience with healthcare-related organizations focused on physicians, insurance carriers, nursing professionals, and dental practices. At any lab test now, she's known for her style of leadership, which fosters and embraces a culture of collaboration and empowerment as she leads a diverse executive team. Clarissa joined AnyLab Test Now when the concept began franchising in 2007 and was appointed to the position of CEO in April 2014. Clarissa is also very involved in the local franchise community in Atlanta as Chair Emeritus of the Southeast Franchise Forum and on the Leadership Committee for the IFA's Women's Franchise Network Atlanta Chapter. In 2020 at the IFA convention in Orlando, Clarissa received the Crystal Compass Award given by the Women's Franchise Committee to an individual who exemplifies leadership. It was established to recognize women and men who have made significant contributions through leadership within their franchise organizations, the franchise community, or the communities in which they live. Clarissa Bradstock, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Your podcasts are great. Uh, you do a great job of interviewing folks and uh, and also supporting franchising. Well, it's not an NPR podcast. I know one of your favorites is Hidden Hidden Brain. That's right. Yes, it is. Uh, definitely a weekly uh, a weekly indulgence that I have. But I do it while I'm walking around. So I kill two birds with one stone. So <laughs> yes, that's my favorite. Well, let's do something to make this one your favorite. Or at least put it on the list of favorites along with Hidden Brain. What do you say? Uh, Sounds great. So, Clarissa, we all know that franchising is an unintentional way of doing business. People don't find franchising. Franchising finds us. When was that for you? Well, in 2007, I came to work with any lab test now with no franchising experience. And boy, um, I did jump into the deep end of the pool and absolutely fell in love with it and uh, fell in love with franchising on so many levels. One is helping small people who are interested in opening a business, of course, facilitating that and educating them on our brand, as well as just that working at a community level where they are in and out every day working with with their community, they're supporting their local businesses, supporting their local schools, local charities. And of course, it's all about local right now. So that's two of the many reasons that I really love franchising. But tell us what you were doing when you found franchising or it found you. How did that manifest? What did that look like? Yeah, I um, actually came from a background working in technology and then moved into technology and healthcare. And the former CEO of Any Lab Test Now, we had worked together in the past with healthcare technology. And he also had some franchising experience. So when they just started out as an emerging brand, he knew that I had strong operations experience and he brought me in as the chief operating officer. And that would have been in 07? Yep, in 07. So what's the company looking like back then? How many units were there? How large a company was it? I started, when we first started franchising, there were zero units. So I was there from the absolute inception and really developing a lot of the processes, programs, uh, working closely with marketing. But we were an emerging brand. I look back at that time and I am so thankful that we were able to get through that aspect of being a small emerging brand because it's really tough, I think, learning through 
through the process because we did have a couple of affiliate stores that we could use, but there's a big difference between running and operating a small subset of units as opposed to rolling out systems in different geographies. And it was extremely rewarding and extremely, at the same time, challenging. So from 07 to 2021, you're sitting today at north of what, 160 stores? Actually, we have 194. As of, I think today, we had an opening. Well, that's amazing. And you've done this without any prior franchise experience. So this is your first role in franchising. You've gone to just under 200 locations since 2007, and you've managed to pick up something called the Crystal Compass along the way, which is one of the most esteemed honors that women offer in franchising. And you've risen to the top of the game. I think that's pretty amazing. So what's the secret sauce, Clarissa? What makes that work? (laughs) Well, thank you. I tell you what, I learned pretty quickly that you needed to really get involved in franchising. And when I went to my first IFA conference, as well as the Southeast Franchise Forum meetings, I think I started going to the Southeast Franchise Forum meetings first. I learned so much by being a part of that community. And one thing that uh, people say about franchising, and it is so true, it is a community that gives back. We are all about educating each other. And I just learned from others like a sponge. Every round table that I could be in, every IFA conference that I could go to, the Southeast Franchise Forum, the Women's Franchise Network, just really leaning in to learn from my peers made it so much easier for me to work better, faster, smarter in helping our franchisees. What I find truly amazing is, is that these organizations that you reached out to to help your personal growth are now organizations, both of which are benefiting from your leadership. I'm referring, of course, to the Atlanta chapter of the Women's Franchise Network, as well as the aforementioned Southeast Franchise Forum. Oh, well, thank you. In my entire life, I've always looked at opportunities where I can impact and make a difference. And knowing that I could help out and help uh, continue to support those entities was just a great honor. So it is an honor and a privilege to give back after you've learned so much. And still learning today, by the so, way. Well, we all are. I'm never going to graduate, never get a diploma because you can't get one from the school that I go to, it's called the School of Lifelong Learning. So (laughs) nobody graduates. You just keep going. (laughs) Clarissa, let's talk about any lab test now. Let's talk about the concept, which I guess until this past year, I would have looked at lab test franchises or the lab test businesses, something clinical, you know, allergy tests or DNA tests or things like that. Testing now, this past year has become ubiquitous, hasn't it? Let's discuss some of the aspects of COVID from somebody who's in that world 24-7 for years before anything called COVID came along and talk about some of the pivots and changes that you've seen in the growth of your business. I'm sure your franchisees are all doing extremely well in this era of COVID testing. Let's talk some about that. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because like you said, we've been doing clinical, actually clinical DNA and toxicology testing since of course, 2007. And what we've seen through those years up to COVID is a continued increase of healthcare consumers wanting more transparency with pricing. They want to be able to order their own lab test and then they can take the results to their doctor. So we just had year over year growth, same store sales growth, very strong, unit economics, very strong, all of that very good. And then when COVID hit uh, back, I think we all know the day in mid-March, it was just like every other franchise brand. We just felt like the rug was pulled out from under us. Now, the good news for us is that we were an essential business and we still did have customers that came to us for their clinical testing. But keep in mind, during that April, May timeframe, people really weren't going out. 
and they were actually scared to go out to their healthcare provider, right? Because they didn't want to be around people that could possibly have COVID. So we, like a lot of brands, took a very deep dive in that April, May timeframe. And our franchisees, by the way, very few of them were doing any COVID testing. We actually took a very conservative approach. But then based on customer request and demand, they said, you guys have really got to start helping us. The community came to us and said, helping us with COVID testing. So we started into the antibody testing is what we did. This was back in starting in May, June, and really saw that the consumers out there really needed to know if they had had been exposed. Because a lot of people before COVID, you could get the testing easily, right? They, They knew they felt sick but they didn't know if it was COVID. So we did a lot of COVID antibody testing. And then as we got more comfortable with doing COVID, what we call active infection COVID testing for people who are actively have the symptoms, we had some franchisees that were able to set up infrastructure where they could do the testing and collections outside. So we started doing that as well as we hit a peak in the November, December timeframe for people wanting to do COVID testing. They were asymptomatic, didn't have symptoms at all, but they wanted to do it to travel. They wanted to feel comfortable that if they went to see grandma or if they went to the, to the beach, that they weren't going to get infected. So we saw a huge spike at the end of the year. And then moving into January, it declined a little bit because people were coming back from all of those trips. And now what we are seeing is a steady group of consumers that are coming in for either they just don't feel well and they want to go ahead and get the active infection testing because of, of a symptom or that they're doing it to be cautionary, right? And then last but not least, what we're seeing now is we've just rolled out a new test that is for what we call the vaccine-generated antibodies. So people who have gotten vaccinated two to three weeks after their second vaccination, they can come to us and they can be assured that they've got the vaccine-generated antibodies. So it's definitely been a cycle going from antibody testing to active infection, now getting back into that more of that antibody testing. What do tests like these cost, Clarissa? It depends. So we have several different ways that you can get the collection, whether it's a nasal pharyngeal or, or saliva, or uh, but they typically start anywhere from $129 to around $250, somewhere in that range. And, and we do have some for expedited. Some people need them same day because they need to get on a plane. So we do have some expedited uh, packages as well. And what would it cost for the test that would tell you whether you've got the antibody a couple of weeks after you've been vaccinated? I'm curious about that one. Yeah, it's about $129. Yeah, I think it's $129. And how long do you think these vaccines are going to last? Are there going to be boosters? Do you think we're going to have to go back and do these again and continue to test? This could be a a lifelong new line of business for your franchisees, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. What we're seeing, as many as you may have read, they've said that you have coverage for at least six months. So some people read that to mean that, oh, I'm only covered for six months. And that's not what they said. They said for at least six months, but they do think that you're going to have to get boosters, possibly 12 months for, especially as we get more and more variations. In India, they're seeing really complex variations that are coming out. So they do expect that we're going to have to get boosters probably every year. So it may end up being more like a flu vaccination, but hopefully let's cross our fingers that the coverage will be better than the flu, which is only at about 50 to 60%. Hopefully we'll 
still with these vaccinations have anywhere from 90 to 95%. I'm curious too about something that you said earlier about consumers wanting to have control over their lab tests. In my mind's eye, I would always think that you go to the doctor and the doctor controls that. And you're saying it's just the other way around now. Consumers push back and told doctors, I don't want you doing that for me. I want to get that done independently. How does that work with insurance and Medicare and who pays for those? Great question, because we actually do not take insurance or Medicare. And that's one reason we can be very transparent in our pricing. So what happens is, is that consumers, many of us now have high deductible plans, right? So that first, golly, up to $3,000, $5,000, $7,000 is out of our pocket. And before that, people really didn't think about the cost of lab testing because they just had a copay, right? Or small deductible. Well, now they can see, depending on what lab that it's sent to and what the insurance coverage is or whatever, that something that you could get done at any lab for 129 we hear some of our customers say they paid $800 for it. Oh, my. So, yeah, they really like the transparency, even though we don't take the insurance, right? Now, they can use their HSA cards or FSA for it. So you can use that. Now, then going stand back to your comment about physicians, we actually closely align with physicians. Physicians send us their patients to us because of that pricing transparency. But what our consumers really like, and I always like to use a good example of this to say is vitamin D. Vitamin D is known for years that low vitamin D levels cause a whole host of issues, right? Well, they also made a link between low vitamin D levels and the severity of COVID. So here we are, if you're in the winter in, in Atlanta and you're not getting much out in the sun or you're working from home all the time and you hear that, but I don't really want to go make a doctor's appointment to see my vitamin D level. I can just go to any lab, the results will come back to me. It'll tell me if I'm low or high. And then if I'm low, I can either take supplements. If I'm really low, I can go to my doctor and get him to prescribe me injections. So it's just a way that you can empower yourself. And then you go to your physician educated. You're not telling them how to practice medicine, but you're giving them some of the tools because you are, as one of our taglines says, take control of your health. You're really the tip of the iceberg, perhaps, in terms of modern medicine and the cost thereof when you involve insurance, like rolls of toilet paper, a couple hundred dollars in a hospital. Um, I guess lab tests were the same way. Doctors were using it as a major profit center or insurance companies were masking the actual costs and inflating those costs. And you've kind of pierced the bubble on that, haven't you? But we have, and it's really interesting when you do a lab test and say you go to a hospital lab, the cost would... I learned this getting into lab, you know, when they open up a vial, say a reagent to test, if you're only testing 10 specimens at a time, it's going to cost a lot more than if you can do with what we do in working with the national labs that we work with. They're doing hundreds or thousands at a time. So that reduces the cost for us. So it's the hospitals or the smaller labs, they've got to make money as well. I understand they've got to, to at least cover the cost, right? But it's the way the whole system set up that it ends up that the healthcare consumer pays the price. And what's so frustrating for us is as healthcare consumers is the lack of transparency. I can get an MRI in Atlanta for 400. I can be in South Georgia and it's $9,000. And you don't get those bills until after the service has been done. We're upfront. We give the pricing right out of the gate. There are no surprises. That's amazing. Well, I hope that what you've begun with testing can extend to other parts of medicine insurance. And I think that has just been a very corrupt pot of stew for years in the way we don't really get to see anything about the bills 
until, like you said, after the fact, and they are so inflated by insurance companies because you don't see what's going on. You don't know. Hope so. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that we are doing, we do have some customers who come to us and they may not have a primary care physician and say they have an STD where they're positive, have an infection. We are partner with a company that does telemedicine. So to your point, that's another thing. It's very transparent. You are connected with a physician typically within 30 minutes. And that's really working well for our customer set. They don't provide long-term care. That's not what their objective is. Their objective is to help in those situations where you may need a little bit more counseling on the results of the test, or you do have a situation where you do need a prescription, more of a convenient care type of experience. So it really puts it in the hands of the consumer, and they can make those calls, gosh, from their car, from their home, and then even get the prescriptions mailed to them, depending on the pharmacy they work with. So definitely healthcare is changing. It's definitely coming more convenient and more, I think, consumer-centric. Care to give your doctor in a box a plug? Oh, it's Style Care is the name of the uh, telemedicine company we use. Terrific. I'll tell you what let's do, Clarissa. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back from that, I'd like to talk more or get into the discussion of your franchise, the concept, who it is that you look for, who it is that's successful at doing this, what kind of backgrounds they've had, all those wonderful things that will help us learn more about what it takes to be a franchisee in your very unique and niche market segment. So we'll come back and do all of that right after this. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. Com. And the conversation continues with Clarissa Wyndham Bradstock. What's the Wyndham part? Did you keep your maiden name? No, actually, that is Bradstock. I'm married to Raul Bradstock. He is my second husband, and Wyndham is my previous husband's name. So. so let's talk the franchise side of the business. Whose idea was it to begin franchising any lab test? Was it yours or was it your owner's? It was actually the previous CEO. He actually was a customer of any lab. And like I said before, he had had some franchising experience. 
And he thought, boy, this is a concept that could really be a franchise. So he worked with the founder of Lab, who is still operating 12 units here in the Atlanta area. And as you can tell, it took off like gangbusters. But as I mentioned earlier, when you're an emerging brand, we did have some challenges. And back in 2012, 2013, the former CEO left, and that's when I became the acting CEO and then CEO. And one thing that we did, which I'm very proud of, is that we held off on franchise development for two years. And we really focused on working with our franchisees, supporting them more with more marketing initiatives, putting more money back into the business. And so we were kind of flat with a number of units for a number of years. And that was purposeful because we really wanted to get our house in order, so to speak, before we took it to the next step. How many units were there at that time? 154. So 154 units later, a change of the guard. And to put a two-year hiatus to focus on operations is basically what I'm hearing, probably to strengthen unit-level economics? Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's another feather in your cap, Clarissa. That's another job well done. Not many would endorse something like stopping development at the same time as cleaning up the house. So that's very commendable. What did it take to earn back trust? Was there trust lacking in the units that were already operating? Were they resistant to the change in policies and new leadership? Or how did you manage through that? They were initially suspicious just because, of course, I had worked with the organization as the chief operating officer. And they didn't really understand. I had to educate them that I had a different vision right? It wasn't just about adding units, right? It was about going back and helping our franchise partners really maximize all of the tools that we currently had. And then we developed other support systems. We have a client care and support center that we set up. We now have 13 people that are taking calls for the franchisees as customers calling in. It is an expense center for us. We do not make money off of it by any means, but it's something that we invested in and really doubled down on that. And then we did some other things. We engaged a marketing company that has done a fantastic job since 2015 of getting press for us and educating the consumers in our markets on our products. As a matter of fact, we've gotten a tremendous amount of press in the last two weeks on this vaccine-generated COVID antibody test due to this marketing company's efforts. So that really got a lot of earned media and the franchisees enjoy it, but they really appreciate getting the brand out there. And we are paying from that from our operational expense. So it's things like that. We also rolled out a new website in 2018. So we've just been reinvesting money back into as any responsible franchisor should, but really giving the franchisees more and more tools every day. And we're, we're still rolling out additional initiatives this year that are, are real exciting too. How long did it take to start feeling the tipping point that your new policy policies and procedures back in 13 were gaining traction and winning back the trust of the franchisees? It took about three years. I think there was trust fairly quickly out of the gate, but then getting it to the point where we knew that we were turning the curve when we had existing franchisees coming and saying, I want to open new locations. That is the best compliment you can get, right, as a franchisor. And that's when we knew that we turned the corner. Without a doubt, that is the highest validation available. There's none better than that. So what what do we look for in franchisees and what does the franchisee in this business have to bring with them as core competencies? Well, what is interesting, some people think that you have to have a healthcare background and you don't. We find that the best franchisees are franchisees that are really going to work the business, right? We have a lot of very successful couple franchisees. They do awesome because they can tag team. We have franchisees with a background in retail, backgrounds in IT, some with healthcare sales backgrounds, former farmer reps. 
perhaps. We have a few nurses too, so we do have some with a medical background. But the key thing is that they're willing to embrace all of the tools that we provide and that they're going to be hands-on with the business for the first location. And then as they become multi-unit operators, that they build up an infrastructure to operate five, six, seven locations by setting up area managers, that kind of thing. So it really is that focusing on the business, the first unit, and really being hands-on. Do you award more than one at a time, or do they have to prove they're capable after the first unit and then come back for second bites? Right. We have kind of an interesting way of doing multi-unit development. We do allow them to buy the one unit, and then we have where they can put a deposit for up to two. Previously, way back in the day, we would sell whole territories, and we do not allow that because... And what I mean by whole territories is whole markets where they could go into, say, Kansas City, Missouri and buy all of Kansas City. We don't do that anymore. They have to prove themselves. And we find that that really works well for us. Do they get an opportunity to reserve rights or how does that work? If you put one person into Kansas City with the intention, say, of owning the market and two or three or four others come along before that gets a chance to manifest, what does that do to your relationship with the first franchisee? That is a really good question. If we have a franchisee, who has indicated that they really do want to expand and own a market. We don't put rights to first refusal in our agreements, but we do as a courtesy, as long as we have a franchisee who is compliant, we will go to them as a courtesy and say, boy, I know that you already have three. We have another person that wants this other territory. Do You've been compliant. You've met your goals. Then we can allow them to, to look at that other territory. So we do it more of as a courtesy. Client. So then you would take the new prospective franchisee and perhaps move him over a few zip codes and really no cost to relationship there. But it would have been right. devastating if you'd have just brought him in and usurp the opportunity from somebody who's been compliant and expecting to grow. Absolutely. Yeah. Great saying. way of doing things. What about brokers? Do you work with brokers or are you selling direct only? We sell direct only. And keep in mind, when we started selling franchises, you know, as we mentioned, going from 154 to 194, as you can tell, that's a fairly conservative approach. And that's always been our approach. We don't want to do what we did when we were back when we were an emerging brand is oversell our ability to support franchisees, right? So we've always worked uh, without brokers, no offense to brokers. I know they're fantastic for some brands. For us, we really like that direct relationship and we like to be in more control of that whole journey. So we work with a franchise consultant who does our franchise debt, but we don't work with brokers. What do you do to pre-qualify somebody, Clarissa, temperamentally, emotionally, business acumen? What is it that they need to bring that you intangibly need to know that is present? Do you test for that? Do you do any kind of assessments? We do don't do assessments at this time. We have done them in the past. But what we do is we have a very well thought out franchise development process and they have to go through that process. One of the first triggers we look at is as if they go rogue on the process, right? If before they get to the validation, they start calling randomly franchisees, that's outside of the process. Of course, they can do that after they've been clear to do that, right? It's within the rights, of course, to call any current or former franchisee. But that's a good example of where we want them to follow the process. Then what they do is they have an executive call with our VP of business development after we've already vetted out their financial backing to make 
make sure that they qualify in that way. And that's where we were really looking for the temperament, how involved they're going to be in the business. We give them some validators to talk to, and we purposely give them validators that are in their general market, but the validators that will give them the real straightforward feedback on what it takes to operate in any lab. Let's not sugarcoat it. Let's tell you what it's really like, the goods, the bads. And of course, there are always challenges when you're running any business. So share those challenges with this prospective franchisee. And then we ask the validators, you know, give us some feedback. Do, do you think this person would fit? Did you see any red flags? And we take that very seriously with our franchisees say, because they're ambassadors of the brand, right? They're going to protect the brand. And there have been a few occasions where they will tell us, this person I really don't think would fit in our culture. And then they give us specific reasons why. Then they come to Discovery Day. Right now we're doing the virtual Discovery Days. After Discovery Day, the leadership team, we regroup and do a deeper dive into, would this person be a good fit? What are our red flags? And we will, unfortunately, there are times when we decide not to award somebody. And again, we're looking for people that are business focused, that ask those business questions, that are coming up with ideas of, and excited about being a part of the brand and the family, and that really follow our culture, that they focus on our core values of integrity and, and teamwork and so forth. So, How drastically has COVID and the lockdown impacted your franchise development? Did you ever envision there'd be a time where you'd award a franchise to somebody that you've only met through a Zoom call? Never. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Way back two years ago, never would you ever do that. And you know, what's really been interesting is that it's gone surprisingly well. Now we are looking forward to getting back in person to have in-person visits, but we have awarded during this period, we've continued to sell franchises, obviously had a, a strong year last year and we're having an even stronger this year, but we have got some amazing new franchisees. So it's working, but I do miss the face-to-face -face and getting to see people, but we've been very fortunate. Well, that's great. What about your financial performance representations? Do you have an item 19? Uh, we have an item 19 and we do revenues. We do revenues and we segment it into quartiles. So it's transparent as we can be. Right now, we do not give profitability on the item 19 just because of the way we get that data. It's not audited, but we do encourage prospective franchisees when they talk to franchisees, do a deeper dive with those franchisees on the unit economics. And what about the validation concepts like franchise business review? Do you use those? Yes, we were very honored that last year we did franchise business review and we were in the top 200 as far as franchisee feedback and really love having a third party do the surveys because I think we get more honest, if you want to say that, more uh, candid feedback because they can be completely anonymous. And it really is helpful. And actually the entire leadership team reviews all of the feedback as well as the written feedback. And we use that as a part of our planning as we do planning going from year to year. Excellent. Well, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing for the audience before you tell them how they may find you again for a deeper dive into some of this. Just share with an audience of emerging franchisors, in your own words, just how important giving back is in franchising and on how big a part of your life that's been. Giving back is, I think, so fundamental to franchising. Going back to that we are a community-based business, right? And our community needs our services, right? And there are so many ways that we can give back. I know for us at the home office, we've done a wonderful job of walking for the homeless, packing food for those who are medically fragile, sorting food at the Atlanta Community Food Bank. That has really helped with us building the bond within our home office team and also setting a great example for our franchisees. And
And then you go back to, like we were talking about earlier, the giving back and being involved in franchising and being present and leaning in and taking advantage of those resources. Because I tell you, people will drop everything and talk to an emerging brand to help them, guide them through. So just being there and being present. And if you are an emerging brand, anybody can reach out to me and I'd be happy to uh, spend some time with you. It may be after hours, but Hmm. we can sit down with a virtual glass of wine and, and just chat. Well, why don't you provide some contact information so that they can take you up on that invitation. Great. Well, my email address is cwbradstock at anylabtestnow.com. And my phone number is 678-431-0623. Awesome. Clarissa, this really blew by in a hurry, but I think we packed about a half hour with a tremendous amount of information. And I really do appreciate you taking the time to share it with us today. Well, thank you, Stan. It has been an absolute honor. I really appreciate spending time with you and sharing more about any lab tests now and offering to help those that would like some insights on some of the things that we've done. Terrific. Clarissa Wyndham Bradstock, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you, Stan. Well, that conversation blew by in a hurry. I just love talking with Clarissa. Next week, I'm back with an update from Bruce Melman. Bruce, as you may recall, is a leader in Washington, D.C., helping Fortune 500 companies and innovative startups understand, anticipate, and navigate the public policy environment and trends that are likely to impact the global marketplace. Much has changed since Bruce's last visit, and we'll cover it all. But that's it for today. Until next week, please keep making great things happen for yourselves and for all of those in your orbit. I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. 